Okay, so um, our theme is what? Release. Oh, good. It's the last morning, and we know what the theme of our youth camp is. Yay. <laughs> um, release from captivity. I don't know about you guys, but I have this interest in watching videos where they release animals from captivity back into the wild. And um, we actually have like a, a bird rescue here in Anchorage where they take in injured eagles and they rehabilitate them. They have this big area where they can grow their strength. And when they are able to go back into the wild, they're released and there's like a ceremony. Has anyone ever watched a video or seen this happen? They put the hood on the eagle and, and they carry it to like a platform. And it's just this big area with sporadic trees of different heights and, and you have people watching, you hear the cameras click, 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 click. And they hold this eagle and they count down three, two, one, and they take the hood off the eagle and they're holding these huge taloned feet and they kind of give a oomph. They throw it and they release it to the air and the wings spread out and the eagle takes off and starts off kind of slow, circles around and gets higher and then it's just gone. And it's one of those awesome, powerful times where that, that eagle was ready. It's gotten the strength build up. It, it's been cared for. It's been trained, whether it's through food or what to find, what not to find. Um, if there was any injury, it's been healed and recovered from it. And then to see that eagle take off, I mean, how rewarding that must be for those that put the time into it. Mm-hmm. And that's when, when I think of release, that was one of the first things that popped in my mind. Some other ones. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a child sneak out of a crib? Mm-hmm. They planned that. There was purpose. <laughs> they planned it. Have you ever seen a child get out of a grocery cart mm-hmm. and take off down the grocery aisle? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Awesome. There's, just, there's freedom. It's exciting. There's energy to that release. Um, have you ever had to come home and you had a dog or a puppy in a kennel? Mm-hmm. When you open that door, did they sit there and smile at you until you said, please, come out of your kennel? No. no, 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 they are ready. They're at the door. They're kind of leaning against it. When you, when you have to unhook that latch, you got to kind of push against them and you unhook it and it flies open and they're just like all over. Yeah. We had a horse growing up and she had her nice little stall. And when you take her, you'd have a halter in the lead rope and you'd get to the gate. And she was an old lady. She was a sweet old lady. But she'd start prancing. And you'd get to the gate, and you'd open it, and you'd walk her into the round pen, and she'd kind of circle around you, just like a little prancy, like all excited. And as soon as you unclipped her halter, she knew. Oh, and she would do like a victory lap around the, the paddock. Or if you put them on a lunge line in a big grassy field, they'd instantly, the first thing she would do is kind of trot around to see what her limitations were. So she knew like how far she could go. And then they'd either lay down and roll, scratch their back, or instantly just start going for the grass. There's just that freedom, that excitement. She was ready. She had a vision of where she wanted to go, get that green grass in my belly, and she would go for it. Um, did any of you guys ever do this where the last day of school happened and you have a little bonfire? Mm-hmm. What did you burn in that bonfire? School-related junk. School yes, not those you know huge projects that you poured your heart and soul into, but the paperwork. Yeah. The, you did those too. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't bring I myself to do that. Time. I saved yeah. them for years. Nice. But the um, the daily oral language. That little you know whatever the busy work was mm-hmm. when you first got in class. Like those papers upon papers upon papers. Oh man, emptying those binders. Make that bonfire go. We'd roast marshmallows over it. It was always such a relief to be like. I'm going to have my time. It's going to be my decision what I spend the next few hours on for the rest of the summer. Like, I get to choose. No more daily oral language. Woohoo! Freedom. Release. 
prisoners, people that are imprisoned for whatever reason, there's training programs to help them when they get out to be able to get a job, to be able to uh, reacclimate into society, to um, start over, to be released and have new purpose and drive. So these are examples of being released from captivity with purpose. There's really sad examples where animals are released from captivity and they don't know what to do with that release. Um, we read a book with a homeschool this last year about a lion that got moved from a horrible situation where it was in captivity, but it was like all cement, wasn't the proper exercise. You know, there's, there's a recommended amount of acres to have with you know, these big cats. And um, he was moved to a better habitat, which was set up like the natural area. And when they got this lion, they opened up like the, in, the indoor area, which is still cement, the big bars. There's like an indoor zoo area. Then there's the doorway into this huge open paddock. And the lion wouldn't eat. The lion would put like one paw out and then come back in. They couldn't get this lion to go and partake of this awesome new environment. They hung meat out in the area. They had to do all these tricks. And the whole book is about what it takes to get this lion to go and enjoy the freedom that it can now have. So, um, similar stories, uh, I had this thing when I was in middle school where I was really interested in puppy mills, which is basically places where um, people breed dogs to make profit. So they get as many dogs as they can and they all the different breeds as possible and they take very minimal care of them. They keep them in like um, rabbit cages with that wire on the bottom and these dogs are never allowed to just run free or have a yard or um, and these puppies that are born, they're born specifically to be sold. So they're set, um, set to like puppy stores where you can go in and be like, I want a toy schnauzer and you know, cute little cubbies and you pick your dog. Well, where these dogs come from and the, the condition of their parents is atrocious. And a lot of the times when these puppy mills get discovered, um, huge rescue crews come in and they just take these dogs and they're putting them in kennels and, you know, their fur's all matted and, and they, they shy away from these hands, even when the people are speaking in really soft tones. And when they take these dogs into foster homes, one of the hardest things to see, because I think everyone here loves dogs or has had a dog or, yeah, we, you know how dogs act when you let them loose in the yard. And these puppies are put down on grass and they start howling like they're in pain because they don't know what grass is and they're scared to death of the grass because they, they've never had grass and they don't know how to act. And I love when the, they do the filming of that and then a week later, mm-hmm. three weeks later, six weeks later, six months later, and you see these dogs that are running freely and playing with toys and they're just without abandon. They're just so happy to be free. And I want to talk today about being released. Being released can happen in an instant, but there's two attitudes to have to being released. There's one where, oh, if it happens, it'll happen. And then there's the attitude of expectation, where, for example, with my horse, Lucky, she knew. She knew what was coming, and she was excited for it. She was pressing towards it. She was good for me. She stayed on her halter with her lead line, but she had an energy about her. She was so excited for what was to come. In your Bibles, in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, we have one of the greatest jailbreaks ever in history. We have a story of when God's people who have been in captivity for 430 years bust out in one day. This story is super exciting to me because 
it's the, a promise come to fruition. There's always been a promise of the promised land. These are God's people. And if you go back, 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 you, um, we get to hear about Joseph and how you know, he was sold into slavery and this horrible, all these horrible things that happened to Joseph. But it's all a part of God's plan, and he becomes second in command of the land. And through him, all of his people are saved during a, a, a drought and a famine. Because of his planning and how God put him in such a critical position, God's people were saved. They were provided for in a time of drought and famine. So Joseph's a hero. God's people start to come to Egypt. It's all good. But the scripture says there came a time where leaders in Egypt rose up who didn't know about Joseph. All of a sudden, Joseph has no power. And God's people in Egypt didn't have an identity. And they became the slaves there. And they lived under really extreme, harsh situations for over 400 years. Now, during this time, this passed from parent to child, parent to child, parent to child, that there's a promise. We're not meant to live in Egypt forever. We are, we are meant to get out of here. But 400 years is a very long time. That meant there are people who had never experienced freedom. Their grandparents had never experienced freedom. Their great-great-grandparents had never experienced freedom. So they had these stories of who they were and what their identity was, but they could not envision what freedom would even look like. How do you prepare for freedom when no one that you know or look up to has ever experienced it, other than these stories of what could be, what, what was promised to them? And throughout Exodus, we get to hear about the plagues. Does anyone know how many plagues there were? Ten. Ten. Yes, ten plagues. What was the last ultimate plague um the excellent yes in um chapter 11 verse 7 there's one verse that says but against any of the children of israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast that ye may know how that the lord doth put a difference between the egyptians and israel most of these plagues happened to all of egypt which meant not just the Egyptians ended up with boils. Not just the Egyptians were affected when all the water turned to blood. God's people suffered through those too. However, in this last plague, God says, there's going to be a difference. You're going to know that the Lord put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And that was the plague about the firstborn. The Lord told Moses, you're going to tell Pharaoh, all about this plague. And just like times before, he's going to harden his heart. He's not going to respond to you. In verse 9, it says, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that my wonders may be, may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Bad things are going to happen. Sister Mackenzie kind of touched on this yesterday. But it's for a greater purpose. God has a plan. Trust me. When we dive into verse 12, I was super interested in the preparation that it took. God has said, let my people go. So boom, God said it, it's going to happen, right? Plague after plague after plague has hit the land. And honestly, it just made things worse for the, for the Israelites. And at this point, they're probably getting kind of hopeless. And God says, go to your neighbor, borrow things that you may need. Your neighbor being the Egyptians, the people of the land. You know, get gold, get jewelry, and prepare. In Exodus 12, it says that they were to sacrifice an innocent lamb with very specific instructions on what parts to cook and when it was to be eaten. You were to cover your house, your door frame, with the blood of that lamb, and then you were to consume the sacrifice. In chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, 
and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. God says when you take of this feast, you're going to be ready to leave. You're going to have your belt on, your clothes are on. You're going to have shoes on your feet. Now, the Israelites were slaves. They were poor. Most of them did not have shoes, at least not shoes you would wear on a daily basis. And God told them, get your feet shod. You need to have shoes on your feet. Be ready to leave because it's about time to be released. And the last thing he said is, you're going to need your staff in your hand. Now, staff, we've learned about with shepherds, is used for your protection. It's, it's used for comfort. Um, it, it's used for direction. They can use it to direct their animals. It's, it's not just a stick, a walking stick like we use on hikes. It had multiple purposes. They were to be dressed, have their shoes on, have their staffs ready. And the end of verse 11 says, you're going to eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You're going to have this meal, and it's going to be quick. It's going to be time to go. I want to talk about that. Being dressed, shoes on. There's so much symbolism in that, but also just makes sense. God wanted them to be ready. This is not a promise that's going to come down the line, the light at the end of the tunnel. This is happening now. Get ready. The next part was the blood. In verse 13, it says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. They were to put the blood on the two side posts and above the top. And that was so that God would pass over with that last plague. Anyone in that house would not lose the firstborn of the family. You had to stay in the house. Verse 22 said, when you, um, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop, it's like a plant, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Not only did they have to mark with the blood, the blood identifies, the blood protects, and the blood covers. The blood protects you. The blood of Jesus is that protection. It covers you, and it identifies you as Christ. Then you have to stay in the house. It would do no good if they marked the house and then were playing Ring Around the Rosie in the front yard when the Passover came. They had to obey. Each instruction had a purpose. When they were given that covering, that identity, that protection, they had to stay under it. Anyone wandering around, anyone here have a curfew? <laughs> you didn't want to be out past this curfew, especially if you were the firstborn. You wanted to be under that protection. There were specific instructions that they had to obey. Yes, God would do this miraculous thing and protect them, but they had to obey. They had to stay in the house. We need to stay plugged in. We need to stay under God's covering, and we need to keep in his sanctuary, stay in his safe place. It said when they stayed in that house that they bowed heads and they worshiped and they obeyed him. All of this goes down and we know it's really sad. All of a sudden, in the middle of the night, wailing breaks out through Egypt. Every household is affected because every household is going to have a firstborn. Every household. Firstborn of every animal, firstborn of every home, every, everyone there was, just, was affected. There was no one that, that escaped this in Egypt. God's people had the covering. It was a very definitive moment where God said, here's Egypt, here's my people. And Pharaoh's eyes were opened. In verse 32, Pharaoh says, Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be 
gone. Get out of here. Remember, Pharaoh fought so hard to keep him and keep him and, and said, no, I'm not letting you go. He put up with so much. And finally he says, be gone and bless me also. When they left after 430 years, two million, it was between two and three million people left Egypt. And when they left, it said they spoiled Egypt. Um, that means like when, when a conquering nation would come in, they would take the spoil. That's anything of value, um, whether it was herds of animals, um, if there were gold, if there were garments, clothes. Um, it wasn't like it is now. We just run a Target if, if we need a new pair of shoes. Those things were, were precious. The people who had wealth had more clothes. They had the blankets. They had the better tents. They, they had more animals. Um, remember, money wasn't as big of a deal as trade was. So if you ha had someone that had a bunch of camels or goats, that didn't mean just a bunch of cute furry animals. That meant they had food, they had clothing, they had um, wealth, they had bartering. They were, they were able to purchase things that they couldn't make themselves. When God's people left Egypt, the Egyptians were throwing everything of value they had at them. Um, earrings, uh, jewelry, pottery, anything of wealth. And just please take it and leave. God blessed his people with everything they could possibly need as they were on their way out from Egypt. And he blessed them through their enemy. Um, in verse 26 of chapter 12, it says, And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? Verse 27, That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshiped. Why? Why are you putting blood all over our door, mommy? Why, why are you putting blood? Why are we killing this lamb? What's the purpose? This Passover, this, this putting the blood over the door, it became a tradition to remind them of that testimony. Look what God did. He released you. In one day, God set you free. I want to encourage us to be like the Israelites in this way. Take the steps needed. Maybe you don't feel released yet, but prepare now. If you want that freedom, if you want to be like lucky in the paddock and taking off and moving forward or that eagle that has finally been released to go back to what it was made for, to, to fulfill its purpose, there's preparation now. Those eagles didn't just sit in a tight cave. Like they didn't just sit in a, in, a, in a kennel. They had to be healed. They had to be exercised. They'd have flying, flight trainings to strengthen them. They had trainings in hunting so that when they went out, they would be able to provide for themselves. We want to be ready. So just remember the sacrifice, be covered in the blood, stay in the house, obey. And oh, I forgot one of my favorite parts. Verse 15 said, no leaven. No leaven. In verse 15, it says, Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. What is unleavened bread? What is leaven? Isn't it something that makes bread rise? Yes. Yeast? Yeast. 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 Yeah. Leaven is um, just a way of saying yeast. Has anyone here had sourdough bread? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you take a dough starter, just a basic dough starter, and you take the sourdough, the yeast, and you put it in there, it, it will change the whole loaf, the whole bunch of... Mm -hmm dough into sour dough. If you take a dough mixture and you add just a little bit of yeast to it and you leave it, eventually that yeast is going to affect the entire batch of dough. Galatians 5.9 says, this is a really fun one, it's kind of funny to say, 
a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. You gotta look that one up. Galatians 5, 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Say that with me. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Say that 10 times fast. No, just joking, just joking. <laughs> a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Um, a little bit of yeast, like I said, changes the whole dough. Leaven is symbolic of sin. And think about if yeast, a little bit of yeast can change the whole dough, the good dough. A little bit of sin, if left in the dough, will change the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little bit of sin, if left to sit, will grow and multiply and change the entire lump. God said, put the blood over it and don't eat the leaven. Stay in the house. That is a challenge for us. We need to remember to apply the blood to our lives. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, he, he washes you clean with his blood. That cannot be taken away from you. Mistakes will be made, but that's the power of repentance. When you repent... It's like being rebaptized again, being rewashed clean again. So keep the blood over you. No leaven. And here he asked him to have the unleavened bread for a week, like to just abstain from it. Just take a break, cut it out and stay in the house. If you feel like all of a sudden you're seeing traits or attitudes or things that start that you're like, God, that's not me. That's not where I want to go. Evaluate your lump of dough. Take a moment and see what have I just put in recently? Putting in can be conversations, so people you're around, um, things you're listening to. It can be good things, but maybe it's just something that's not, not good for you. It doesn't have to be some horrible, nasty grossness. It can just be a little something that when you put it in your dough, it starts to take over. Anything that starts to grow and take you over and pull you away from the Lord isn't necessary. Even if it's innocent. I'm trying to think of something that... Coffee. Baking habit. Maybe you just love to eat sugar. That's, there's no problem with that. But if that's all you can think about, all you do, that's where all your resources are going, that's where all your energy and your mind is just focusing on this, then we need to reevaluate it. We need to start clean. Take a fresh lump, put it aside, and don't add leaven. And let's see what God can do. Stay in the house. Obey. Because verse 32 is coming, where all of a sudden, all that captivity, all of the no's, 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 all of a sudden become go, 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 go. Get out of that kennel. Get out of that prison. You know, be released into what the next step is, whatever that next freedom is, that purpose, but be ready. Um, one of the saddest things is when you hear about prisoners that get released from a sentence of 10, 15 years, and they, they get out and they have all these good intentions and, and they try to find a job and, and all of a sudden they realize it's easier back in prison. It, my meals are provided. Mm -hmm. I don't have to figure out what clothes I'm going to wear. Prison's easier. So they do something to get put back in prison. Even in this story, when God's people are released, they get out in their freedom and it's not all roses and rainbows. They're faced with some trials and they actually turn to their leader and say, were there not enough graves back in Egypt? At least there we had, was it garlic and onions, basically the equivalent, garlic and onions. No, there was no pizza. <laughs> so be prepared. If you prepare now, when you are released, 
you've got a good head on your shoulders. You've got the tools needed to move forward into the next dimension. Instead of realizing, ooh, this is challenging and hard. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. We don't want to be like those lions and tigers that stay in the fake cave when there's an entire free savanna to explore. There's so much to do. We don't want to be that puppy that's more comfortable staying in the kennel or the wire crate when we could be playing fetch. Let's dive into freedom. Let's be released. In Jesus' name. I have an 